Thank you for listening to First Ferry United Methodist Church's podcast. This week, we begin our new series, Real Life, Real Relationships. And now here's Martha with our message. Good morning and grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus Christ. It is good to be worshiping with you. I can't see you physically, but I know you're there. I'm actually usually over there watching worship with you on my phone as we begin. My name is Martha. I am one of the pastors here. It is good to be worshiping with you. And we are beginning a new sermon series today entitled Real Life, Real Relationships. It will take us through about five or six weeks or so. And anytime you begin a sermon series, you always question the starting point. Where do you actually start? Well, this particular sermon series was very easy to come up with that answer because there's no better place to begin talking about real life and real relationships than in the beginning. And what I mean by in the beginning is in the book of Genesis, where we see the very foundations of life being created and the very foundation of relationship itself. Not just romantic relationships or marriage or single and divorced and friendships and all of that, but relationship in general. We find the very foundations of it in Genesis. Our scripture this morning is from what we call the second creation story in the book of Genesis. It's in the second chapter of Genesis. And we'll begin with verse 7, and we'll, I'll skip some of the verses because it's quite long, but in it we see primarily the, the story or the telling of the creation of humanity. So I invite you to hear these words, beginning in verse 7 of the second chapter of Genesis. The Lord God formed the human from the topsoil of the fertile land and blew life's breath into his nostrils. The human came to life. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and put there the human he had formed. In the fertile land, the Lord God grew every beautiful tree with edible fruit, and he also grew the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the human and settled him in the garden of Eden to farm it and to take care of it. The Lord God commanded the human, eat your fill from all the garden's trees, but don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because on the day you eat from it, you will die. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that the human is alone. I will make him a helper that is per perfect for him. So the Lord God formed from the fertile land all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky and brought them to the human to see what he would name them. The human gave each living, living being its name. The human named all the livestock, all the birds of the sky and the wild animals, but a helper, perfect for him, was nowhere to be found. So the Lord God put the human into a deep and heavy sleep and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh over it with the rib that had been taken from the human. And the Lord God fashioned a woman and brought her to the human being. And the human said, this one finally is bone from my bones and flesh from my flesh. She will be called a woman because from a man she was taken. This is the word of God for the people of God. We give thanks to God. 
As we begin in this sermon series today, Real Life and Real Relationships, I want to take quite a bit of time, actually, to explain to you what prompted such a series. Unless you lived in a perfect bubble or under a rock or in a cave for most of 2020, 2020 stirred up a lot of thoughts for you, for all of us. Thoughts, emotions, challenges, losses. And as we began to close or bring a close to the year 2020, I began to wonder, where is it, God, that you would have us go now? We all looked forward to the beginning of 2021 thinking, oh, it's going to be a lot better. And it will be. But we still find ourselves here in January in a situation that looked a whole lot like it did and in some cases, maybe worse, than it did in December. So as we closed the year in 2020, knowing that 2021 wasn't going to look a whole lot different or differently on January 1st, I began to pray about where it is God would have us go, what God would have us do next. If we as a universal church and as a local church are called to make disciples of Jesus Christ, how in the world do you do it? when you can't really gather like we are accustomed. So all of those troubles or thoughts in my head and prayers led to three things that became apparent. The first of which was this. You may recall back in the fall, we did a short sermon series on this Wesleyan idea of grace, what we are United Methodist Wesleyan concept of grace. And in that series, what we talked about is that grace is not just our get-out-of-hell-free card, but grace is actually God's power at work in us, through us, and around us. As we came to a close of that series, I borrowed an image, a metaphor, that John Wesley himself used as he was trying to describe the three primary areas of grace that he taught us. That metaphor was a house. John Wesley taught that prevenient grace, God's grace working in and around us, before we ever even realize it's God's work, God is working, is prevenient grace is almost like the porch to a house. But then there's a moment or a period of time in which we come to accept what God has already done through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and that is make us right, justify us with God. And John Wesley used the doorway of a house as that moment or that period of time of being justified, made right. Then he went on to say that the rest of our lives is this idea of sanctifying grace and that sanctifying grace is what fills the rest of the entire house, every, metaphorically speaking, room of our emotional, spiritual lives. As I shared that metaphor some weeks later, A person came to me and said to me, a few weeks ago, you said that most Christians or a lot of people walk through that doorway and stand right there on the doormat and never allow God's grace to penetrate every aspect of their lives. I said, yes, I said that. He said, I think I'm on the doormat. I think that's where I am. I explained that I believe that all of us come to a point, or all of us come to, most of us come to a point in which we put our faith and our trust in Jesus and then stop right there on the doormat and wonder why every aspect of our life is still a mess. This person said to me, 
I, I feel like I see people who have a prayer life, people who have a close relationship with Jesus, and something's missing. As I talked to this person, I realized that if this person, by all outward appearances, seems to have it all together, serves in the church, attends worship, married, grown children, appears to be a, a, a fun person that you enjoy being around, around by all outward appearances, appears to have it all together. If this person struggled with that sort of thing, then there's a better than average chance that the majority of us as Christians or those of us who call ourselves a part of First Farragut United Methodists probably struggle with the same thing. Which brought me to the second point. Faith in Jesus Christ ought to affect healing and change in every aspect of our lives. Too many of us are guilty of reserving Sunday for Jesus, but we give him Monday through Saturday off in our lives. If you worked one day a week and took six weeks, six days off a week from your job, how well would that work out for you? My guess is it wouldn't end well. Many of us reserve Sundays for Jesus and the rest of the days of the week is all about what we want to do and how we want to do it. And then we wonder why we feel the emptiness that the person described in that conversation that I had. We wonder why life seems so unfruitful. Psychologist Henry Cloud, in one of his earlier books, tells of the time that he, freshly out of seminary and having graduated postgraduate school, enters into the workforce as a, a social worker and a counselor. He entered in with high hopes of helping people in the name of Jesus to overcome their depression, their anxiety, their marriage challenges. But he said what he found was that he would teach people about God's love, but their depression wasn't cured. He would teach people that, that Jesus died and rose again to conquer their brokenness, but their addictions persisted. He would teach them, and he said they began to understand that their security, their identity was found in Jesus Christ, but yet the panic attacks continued. And so he says what he found is they were helped, but they weren't cured. He said spiritual methods alone didn't solve life's problems. He saw sincere, righteous, diligent, mature Christians continuing to hit a ceiling in some area of their growth. And he got frustrated. He said he realized he could not live a double life that proclaimed that faith in Jesus had value in life but didn't affect change in every aspect of their lives. I could relate to Dr. Cloud's frustration. As your pastor, I do you a great disservice if I allow you and myself, all of us, to be Sunday Christians. Or even to be good Bible study or good Sunday school attending Christians. Or even to be people who are, who are actively involved in charitable deeds. I do you a great disservice if I do not challenge you and myself and help you 
to grow in God's grace to transform every single aspect of your life. If I allow you and me to settle for anything less than the abundant life that Jesus said he came to bring, I do you a great disservice and I dishonor the calling on my life. So please hear these next words with all the humble, authentic spirit that I can possibly muster. I am done pretending that we are okay. We are not okay. A simple look back a few days to Wednesday of this week will show us that we as a nation, as a community, as a universal church, as a local church, and as individuals are not okay. It is time for us to get real with each other. And the reality is we need each other. Which leads me to the third reason for this series. We are starving for relationship. We are desperate for real, authentic relationship with God and with one another. 2020 taught us many, many things, one of which is that we have a deep, deep desire for relationship. We long to be known and to know each other. The isolation that we've experienced this past year like never before has revealed that in a way we haven't seen before. Depression is on the rise. Anxiety is high. Suicide rates are skyrocketing. Many medical professionals in the hospitals will tell you they've seen an inordinate amount of deaths due to, to overdose and alcoholism. A quick scan through social media will show that we long to be heard and to be known. However, that longing to be heard and to be known is often manifest in lashing out at each other simply because we don't recognize that there is a way to be known and to be heard, a healthy, safe, biblical way for us to do that. And if faith in Jesus Christ is to affect change in all aspects of our lives, then the church ought to be concerned about helping us learn how to relate to each other. So with all of that background in mind, this series is about how faith in Jesus Christ can bring about real solutions in our real everyday life. And one of the ways that real life is changed is through real relationship. Which brings us to Genesis. There are two creation stories in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 is one of the stories and Genesis chapter 2 is the second story. There are similarities and differences in each of those stories, but in each of the stories we can find that we were created out of and for relationship. Genesis 1, the creation story in Genesis 1, is not the one that we read, but it's the one that most of us are most familiar with. It's the one that has the the poetic ring to it, that in the beginning there was darkness and chaos and God's spirit swept across the darkness and called forth light. It's the poetic ring that, that gives us the creation account of skies and light and land and animals and on it goes. It's the, the seven day creation story. But when we get to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we're told that God says this. 
Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. Let us make humankind in our image. Don't miss the pronouns there. Fast forward to the New Testament in the first chapter of of John's gospel, the, the scripture that Chuck read for us last Sunday. And John begins his gospel this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God in the beginning. What we see from Genesis all the way through the entire Bible is this idea of the Trinity. It's a concept, granted, that's hard for us humans to, to grasp, that God is three, three persons in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We can scan the pages of the Bible and we will never find the word Trinity. But throughout the Bible, we will find that God relates with humanity in many different ways, giving us this idea of God in three different persons. God exists, God, God's self exists in relationship. Let us make humankind in our image. If God exists in relationship, And we're made in God's image. What does that say about us? Would it not stand to reason that if we bear the image of a relational God, then we were created for relationship? First and foremost, relationship with God. Yes. But there are two kinds of relationships for which we were created. If we go to the second story... The second creation story in Genesis, which is Genesis 2, the bulk of the second chapter of Genesis focuses largely on God creating humanity. God creates a person from the dust and breathes life into this person. Now, we call this person Adam. If we looked at the original Hebrew, it's actually Adam, which stands for humankind, sometimes called mankind. But it's the first human created. And God gives this human every living creature, the beautiful garden, everything imaginable. But then God steps back, as we saw in verse 18, and says, it's not good that a human should be alone. In the first creation story, seven times, God steps back and says, this is good. But here... This is not good. Being alone, God says, is not good. There's no indication that the freshly created human asked for help. There's no indication that the freshly created human felt alone or incomplete. It was God's idea. God was the one who claimed this is not good. Humanity should not be alone. We need each other. But our tendency, especially in our culture, is to go at it alone. We've been taught that to do it ourselves is what is successful. To not rely on anybody. That I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. I can change my habits. I can make things better. That's what we've been taught. But God said, that's not good. Author and pastor Darius Daniels tells of a time in his life in which he experienced serious emotional struggles. 
He said something was missing in his life. He had a relationship with God. He attended worship. He attended Bible study. He had Christian friends. Everything on the outside, he was doing everything he had been taught to do, but something was missing, he said. He found out that what was missing was relationships with others. If you feel saddened or spiritually deficient in some way, and you've been told all you need to do is pray more, pray harder, read more scripture, attend worship, serve more, on and on the list of things to do goes. If you've been told all you need to do is do more, may I apologize to you? Because what you need is relationships with each other. Yes, we need to pray. Yes, we need to read scripture. Yes, we attend worship. But we do it together. Remember what God said? It is not good for humans to be alone. If we want to experience real life transformation, we have to do it in relationship with God first, yes, and with others. As we begin this series, I want to tell you this is not about marriage. This is not about single. This is not about dating. This is not about divorce. This is not about five effective tools to communication. And this is not another feel-good sermon series. Because friends, I'm not sure if you've noticed, we are in a hot mess. And it's time we do something about it. It is time that we get real with each other. We cannot afford to pretend anymore. So as we begin this series of getting real, we're going to begin with getting real with our relationship with God and with each other. And you have homework. I have a series of questions that I want you to think about this week as we begin this series. Next week, we're going to talk about the common denominator in all of your relationships. And in case you're curious, it's you. And it's me and mine. But think about these questions in the coming week. Where am I with my relationship with God? Is it as fulfilling as I want it to be or as I think it should be? Is every aspect of my life entrusted to God? Do I look around and see people who seem to have a closer relationship with Jesus? Who seem to have a prayer life? Are there people who seem to have it together? A deeper relationship with God? What about my relationships with people? Can I reflect back and see patterns of strained relationships? Could it be that there's a correlation between the two, our relationship with God and our relationship with each other? In what areas could God be calling me, you, us, to turn over completely to God? One of the goals of this series will be to help us stay connected and you're probably thinking, Martha, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but we can't get together. I'm unfortunately very much aware of that. But we cannot stop until we can get together. 
So one of the goals of this series is to try to keep us connected together and reflect on what we talk about on Sundays. On Tuesday, when our e-newsletter goes out, there will be a a midweek checkpoint, just a one-page document of scriptures and questions and things for you to reflect on. There will also be questions added to our First Farragut Church online group. In fact, I'm going to post the questions that I just asked you to that group later today. These are not ideal ways of staying connected. As we talk about relationship, we were meant to be together. Yes, these are not ideal. But they will serve as a foundation for us as we look forward to trying to begin small groups in February. As I learned in 2020, planning is difficult right now, but we're not going to stop. We're planning to start some groups in February, and this will ultimately bridge the gap until we get there. But I invite you to reflect on those questions that I just asked. Because in order for faith in Jesus Christ to bring about real solutions in our lives and in our world situation, real life has to meet real relationship. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I invite you to join me with your voice in an affirmation of faith that comes to us from the United Church of Canada. As we say these words together, listen for the pronouns in there. We were meant to be a community of faith together. So I invite you, if you feel so led, to affirm your faith with me. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to live with respect in creation to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us next week as we continue on with this series, Real Life, Real Relationships. Next week, we will discuss the common denominator. See you then.